there. You're listening to More Than Potential, the podcast. Um, on today's episode, I wanted to finally do something that I, I've been dreading, but this is the episode that needed to be made. I think that you might enjoy my opinion on this subject. And if you saw the title, you guessed it. We're going to talk about Candace Owens. Now, I have a lot to say. I have strong opinions about this. And my perspective on this may actually surprise you because I feel like the conversation around Candace Owens is actually not intersectional enough. Um, So... First of all, if you're listening to this, you probably know who she is. But real quick, Candace Owens is like a an author, a commentator, a political pundit, if you will. She has her own TV show where she talks about, I guess, culture and society. She's like a pop culture commentator in a way. But since she's right-leaning or conservative, hyper-conservative, she has interesting opinions, yeah, I agree. I, I actually don't have any problems at all with the word nationalism. I think that it gets, uh, the definition gets poisoned um, by elitists that actually want globalism. Globalism is what I what I don't want. So when you think about whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, in at least in America, is Hitler. You know, he was a national socialist. But if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. The problem is, is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. He wanted to globalize. He wanted everybody to be German, everybody to be speaking German, everybody to look a different way. That's not, to me, that's not nationalism. Um, so in thinking about how we could go bad down the line, I don't really, I don't really have an issue with nationalism. I really don't. I think that it's okay. It's important to retain your, your country's identity and to make sure, um, that what's happening here, which I think is incredibly worrisome in terms of the, just the, the decrease in the birth rate that we're seeing, um, in the UK, is what you kind of want to avoid. So I'm not, I don't have anything problem. I have no problems with nationalism. It's globalism that I try to avoid. So yeah, uh, Candace is known for having her moments, her opinions. It's, it's kind of scary, honestly. <laughs> and so that's the kind of conservative she is. You know, she's known for being very pro-Trump and very vocal about certain topics like it's usually the same four or five topics honestly culture and cardi b um basically talking about how black culture is degenerate and black culture is bad and black culture this and black culture that um she likes to talk about anti-feminism and how she's against feminism and feminism is hurting men she talks a lot about fatherlessness in the black community um the out of wedlock rate in the black community. What else? I think those are about the key tenets. Oh, and nationalism and supporting Trump and things like that. Now, granted, she did have a stint during the pandemic where she was like super like against the COVID vaccine. And she was like trying to be this anti-authoritarian spokesperson, making it seem like wearing a mask was the most oppressive thing Americans have ever experienced ever, right? So, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the kind of hyper-conservative that she is. And, you know, she is very well-funded. You know what I mean? Like, she is. She's very well-funded. Um, a lot of white people tend to like her. Not quite sure why. Just because when you research her background, she doesn't have a college degree. 
Like she never finished college. She was one of those people that was dumb enough to take out a bunch of student loans for a degree and then never finish it. You know, no shade to people who are in that situation. But like when you think about the type of conservative Candace is and how she's against any government interference and hates welfare, hates government programs that would potentially for, you know, be like student loan forgiveness. It's weird to, to see that she is probably a person who would have benefited from those programs. So that's not here nor there. But I just want to make it clear, like, it's just interesting to see her background when she didn't come from much. She had a lot of student loan debt, didn't finish college. Um, I guess somehow she managed to get a good job working at a sec- private security firm or private equity firm. And you know what I'm saying? So she got a good job or what have you. And then she started making YouTube videos as Red Pill Black. Now, I'm not sure what the specific moment was for her. You know, I don't believe when she talks about her evolution politically, how she went from being politically liberal to hyper-conservative in 2016. She makes it seem like it happened overnight. You know what I'm saying? And so it could have very well have happened overnight. But I think there's something to be said for the fact that Candace was very vocal about being anti-Trump and very vocal about being politically liberal, despite saying that she had never actually voted. You know what I mean? And so I think she even had a blog about this. I forgot what it was called, but she basically had a blog too. And then she did like this weird thing called social autopsy where she was trying to dox people who were basically trolling and hating online. And she got a lot of pushback because she was trying to crowdfund for that. She was trying to crowdfund for this social autopsy situation that she tried to get popping. So it's like there are several times where Candace was trying to pop off and it never worked. And then I guess what stuck was being a hyper conservative in 2016 when Donald Trump won. So I am still not entirely sure what the real moment was for her because she loves to say it was because of the backlash she got for social autopsy, which was a terrible idea. But like. She loves to make it seem like that was the reason and how Democrats were trying to misrepresent her. But like, I don't think that's the reason. I really don't, honestly. But that's neither here nor there. That's like a brief rundown of her history. Um, Of course, we could talk about how when she was younger, she um, filed a lawsuit. Her and her family filed a lawsuit supported by the NAACP because she experienced a hate crime. Basically, this white boy that ended up being connected to like a governor or something left her hateful voicemails, basically, you know, calling her the N word and things of that nature. She wins the lawsuit, gets all that money. Now, how the hell she won all that money and still ended up in student loan debt beyond me, beyond me. But she, she filed a lawsuit about racism and won, right? She even did a Ted talk about it years ago. So Candace has always been trying to pop off. Like she's always been trying to like get her name out there. And so I guess this is her new gig. This is her shtick and it's stuck. Her shtick stuck. So when I think about Candace Owens, right? When I think about her history, how she's evolved over time from 2016 to now, it's 2021 and things are different now. I can't help but feel like there's a lot that has not been said about Candace. And I feel like there's just so much to discuss. You know what I'm saying? Like, I also can't help but feel like 
the black community needs to have a real conversation about how someone like Candace is even possible, you know, because I'm be honest, Candace actually makes a lot of sense. I understand why she is the way that she is. Doesn't mean that I agree, but it actually makes a lot of sense how she could become who she is today. And I will also go on record saying Candace Owens is just popular. There are plenty of Candace Owenses in the black community that don't ever get clout. They don't ever get play. It's like we don't discuss them. We pretend that they don't exist. We make memes out of conservative black women, you know, make memes out of them. We make fun of them and their their fried edges and their bad hair and their bad makeup and how they date white boys. We always knew conservative women like Candace Owens who were quote unquote whitewashed existed, but we're still fascinated and disgusted by Candace Owens herself as if we don't understand how she could possibly come into being. So my endeavor in this episode is to kind of tell y'all what I feel. And I'm going to start talking about some stuff that maybe you've never heard of. But as someone who's an internet creature, I've been kind of crawling around on the internet for a while. For a good while, I've seen some things and I've seen radicalization online. And I think Candace Owens is a perfect example of radicalization. Don't believe me? Let me, let me, let me explain. Hear me out. I'm going to take you there. Just let me land the plane. So... I broke this up into several different categories because I feel like Candace Owens reminds me of three different things, blackness and identity, gender and politics. And the reason why I broke it into categories is to help me organize my thoughts and also help you guys understand, give you a framework to assess from an intersectional lens what's going on with her and why the public is so fascinated with her. So if you're ready, let's get started. So blackness and identity. There is something that people don't mention a lot about Candace, and I'm not sure why, but this is really important. When Candace Owens talks about Black culture, because she loves complaining about Cardi B, she also likes just complaining about the Black community in general. Let me just play you this clip of her recently on the Roommates podcast talking about this. I'm very curious, in your opinion, what would you say are the biggest issues plaguing black America today, in your personal opinion? Number one is father absence. Yes. Everything and everything that happens is secondary to that. Like it all falls apart once you remove fathers from the home. And <clears throat> I talk about that often, you know, and actually Barack Obama spoke about this. He gave a Father's Day speech yes. and he started talking about all the statistics of what happens when you remove a father from the home. One simple thing, remove a father from the home and a child is nine times more likely to end up in prison, uh, six times more likely to drop out of school, uh, sorry, 12 times more likely to end up in prison, nine times more likely to drop out of school, six times more likely to lead a life of poverty, right? One single element. And there are actually policies that since the 1960s have incentivized that for black America. That's when everything fell apart for black Americans. We were, our families were together, kids were performing better. I mean, it literally every in every statistic, black Americans were doing better. Think about this under Jim Crow laws, right, than they are doing today. Now, nobody would say America has become a more racist society since Jim Crow laws. If they did, they'd be disingenuous and they'd be lying to you, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened? Well, you, you tore apart our families and you, you turned us into a culture of baby mamas, um, which is now reflected in our music. So when I talk about black culture and I say things that need to be changed, our music has taken a hit. I go back and I listen to the music I grew up on and I grew up in my grandfather's home. 
The Temptations, Diana Ross, music that was about love, feeling good, men that were dressed in suits. Mm -hmm. Now we have Cardi B. <laughs> Cardi B's new song is the number one song right now, right? You don't like what? Well, right, hey, listen, listen. I'm a, <laughs> I, 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 think about what has happened to yeah, black culture like from my girl. Yeah. I've got sunshine and cloud a day yeah. to WAP, which we couldn't even, you wouldn't feel comfortable if I told you to read the lyrics right now for your show. Music, Chris did it though. Right? Yeah. yeah right? <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't, she doesn't have a right to make the music, yeah. but I'm saying that when that becomes number one in replace of what was number one, something's happened to black culture. So real quick, Candace. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, she has a lot of opinions about black culture. And like I said, it's, it's about the same shtick every time fatherlessness and the out of wedlock rate single baby mamas and oh that dastardly rap music like that's basically all she talks about but no one ever brings up the fact that Candace is actually Caribbean American now hear me out hear me out let me tell you why this is important first and foremost if Candace Owens comes from a Caribbean American background it stands to reason that perhaps her understanding of African-American culture is actually pretty superficial. Like, think about it. And this is going to hurt feelings, but it needs to be said. If you are not culturally and ethnically African-American, you don't get to define African-American culture for us. Like, you're the children of immigrants. You have a different experience. You may be growing up with us, but your experience at home and the lens through which you see America is very different if you can trace your cultural heritage directly to another country, right? Because my family has been here for generations. We came here most likely, from what I can tell, from, you know, the things that we have gathered on a slave ship and a port at like South Carolina or some shit. Like, that's where we came from. We came here and we was on a plantation in South Carolina and some of us slowly migrated to Georgia in the rural areas. So that's my family background, right? Like I'm tracing it back to slave ships. Candace got a different situation going on. And so we should talk about that because it would flesh out our understanding of her ethnicity and why specifically she's so anti-African-American. And it, it starts to seem less like self-hatred and more like she got a problem with other people that are just a different ethnicity. And interestingly, she did have a tweet about this. I don't know if I can find the tweet. I got to see if I can find it. But basically, Candace Owens was talking about African-Americans and Caribbean-Americans. And she was saying, how how is it that Nigerian-Americans are performing so well in other parts of the world. And then it's like, y'all, y'all stupid African-Americans not doing well. I believe the tweet was, and I quote, Nigerian Americans are the most successful ethnic group in the U.S. If you want to know how it's possible that blacks who came from underdeveloped Africa keep outperforming blacks from overprivileged America, it's because they weren't exposed to the Democrat parasite of victimhood. That was her tweet. And I quote. And so when we talk about, <laughs> when we talk about Candace Owens' connection to blackness and all that kind of stuff and identity, we got to be honest. She probably doesn't even see herself as African-American because she isn't quite African-American. So, it is fair to say, and I know a lot of people are going to be hurt because they're like, well, I'm African-American. I was raised here. No, bitch. No, bitch. No, bitch. No. There are connections. There are 
things that we have in common. But if you have parents who are immigrants in America, you are the child of immigrants. That is a different experience. That shit would never fly with any other race. It doesn't fly here. African-Americans are their own ethnicity. And so the problems that we have are hyper visible and everyone compares themselves to us for better or worse. And so it is fair to say that she probably doesn't even understand African-American culture. The extent to which she is is learning African-American culture was by experience. So maybe I, I sincerely believe this is the making of a Candace Owens type. Suburban black chick in school who, you know, thinks that she's different from the other Negroes because she speaks proper English and she gets called an Oreo and she gets bullied for doing well in school and speaking proper English and being a teacher's pet, right? And so she's exposed to African-American vernacular, but it doesn't resonate with her. And chances are, Candace Owens probably was raised in a family that was anti-African-American. Because a lot of Caribbean Americans and a lot of Nigerian Americans, different types of African immigrants, when they come over to the United States, they do retain anti-African-American sentiments when they come over. They're told to stay away from us because we're, we're the devil, we're, we, we are the perpetual victims. Like we're, They're told to hate us. And I've actually had friends from different parts of the diaspora tell me when their parents first came over, everybody was telling them to avoid African-Americans because we were the devil, right? And so I'm saying this because as someone who has friends from all parts of the diaspora, I'm seeing that commonality here. So when we talk about a Candace Owens and how she could come to be, we got to talk about her identity. And her identity may not be as connected to African-American culture as we may think. And I grant that she may probably participate in it because she's had tweets where she's, uh, from several years ago, where she liked Cardi B and she enjoyed Cardi B's music. So she enjoys the byproduct of African-American culture. But does she respect and care for African-Americans? No, she doesn't consider herself as part of us. She may say that she's black, but that's about it. She's not going to say she's African-American. And I believe that she's correct to say that. And I mean, we can have a conversation about how a lot of people co-opt African-American culture as an aesthetic because it's so popular and they think that it's just American culture. No, it's not just American. It's African-American. African-Americans just happen to drive popular culture because we're such huge consumers. We're such huge consumers and we produce the content that goes viral and we help create the culture. So people think that it means that African-American culture is just American, but that's not true. It's specific to our ethnic group. And that means something. And so when Candace is talking and giving these cultural new, like cultural critiques and she makes hip hop culture synonymous with like black culture, I just, not only is it dishonest, it, it's ahistorical, but it's also sad because Candace probably doesn't know shit about African-American culture. I don't think she ever tried. Do you really think that Candace Owens knows anything about the folklore, the history, the dialects, the different people groups, right? The Gullah and the Geechee, the Cajuns. Like literally, she doesn't know anything about African-American culture beyond hip hop music. And that can only be seen from the perspective of someone who was never actually African-American, Right. Because a lot of Candace Owens' complaints about the culture and the hip hop music and how, you know, it's so perverse what Cardi B does because she loves to pick on Cardi B. Like, we got to remember, like, she literally in her pea-sized brain because she don't do research. She really thinks that, like, that is synonymous 
with African-American culture. Like hip-hop culture is African-American culture and that's all it is, right? As if hip-hop has not evolved over time, it's not fairly nuanced and complex, but also that that is the only part about African-American culture that matters. Like I've never actually heard Candace even express good things about African-American culture. Never, never. I think the one time I've ever heard her say anything is about how we need to prioritize and uplift African-Americans who are basically respectable. I forget the specific wording that she used, but that was the gist of basically what she was saying. She feels like we need to talk about black lawyers and doctors and engineers as if African-Americans don't. We do. The media doesn't cover it, but we use social media to make those guys, you know, the people who go to college and, you know, they get full ride scholarships and the kids who are doing really well and they're doing amazing in sports. Black people help those kids go viral all the time, but this is part of the conversation of the quote-unquote Oreo. The quote-unquote Oreo who has this self-victimizing mentality of not being in community with other Black people, not fitting in, not belonging. Maybe they're awkward or quirky or weird or whatever things that they come up with. And so they use that as an excuse to cut off themselves from African-Americans and to be to themselves, to hang out maybe with white people or other races because that, that's what makes them feel more accepted. And the problem is when you start critiquing African-Americans and you're not in community with us, you don't know what the discourse is. You don't know what we're concerned about. You don't know what we're talking about 90% of the time. So it ends up coming across as very tone deaf and not true to our lived experience. And so that's why I could never gaslight Black people about not liking Candace because Candace really makes cultural critiques and arguments for white people to consume black culture, right? It's for white people to understand black people and dehumanize and degrade us for the things that they participate and enjoy. That's what makes it so sinister because Candace, I, I don't know if y'all remember the panel discussion that Candace had with T.I., Killer Mike, and a bunch of other black people and how people did not respect her when she was on that platform. It's not just because of misogyny. It's literally because that's the only time that Candace Owens even cared to show herself, her face in front of all these black people and hold herself accountable. Now she's gone to black schools when she was doing her Turning Point USA stuff. She's talked to black students and stuff like that. But when we have intimate conversations with other black people, that's when black people are able to get engaged for your real intentions. And so when you have profiteered and you've made money to the tune of a million dollars a month talking shit, about black people to white people, right? Mischaracterizing our culture, not contextualizing the culture at all. You're, you're literally buying into white supremacist stereotypes that's much older than her. She's in her early 30s. A lot of this stuff she's talking about are just ripped off Thomas Sowell talking points. And like Thomas Sowell is problematic for a reason. There's a reason why Thomas Sowell, people have beef with him. Intellectuals have beef with him in the black community because there's some things that he says that's not really accurate. But regardless, regardless, Candace is not really the person that black people want to hear these things from. She doesn't, she hasn't articulated that she understands black people or the culture because she's never invested in understanding the culture. It's just something to consume for her. And that's why she can consume Cardi B's music, critique it and, you know, degrade it, right? Say it's terrible, it's shit while consuming it. And then go on Carl, you know, Chris Carlson Tucker, I think that's his name, Tucker Carlson, Go on his show, talk shit, and then never contextualize. She doesn't see the hypocrisy in that. She doesn't see the hypocrisy in it. And I find it fascinating. I really do. But one thing I did want to say before I move on to the next topic 
is that Black people, what produces a Candace Owens type partially is the fact that we are culturally insular. I do believe that although we claim to not be a monolith, we are culturally insular. Black people love to be amongst only other Black people. There's so many content creators on social media who refuse to make content that appeals to everyone and they only make content that appeals to Black people. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but then don't demand to be famous and get a million dollars for only making content for other Black people when we're such a small percentage of the population. And so because we're so culturally insular and we like to have our own jokes, our culture, our history, our style, the way we talk using African-American vernacular, we are all very specifically supposed to fit in this narrow interpretation of Blackness. And whenever a Black person is outside of that, it's a problem. They don't feel included. They don't feel like they belong. But what ends up happening is I understand that there's like some weird element of forced compliance in the black community. Like if you don't fit this narrow interpretation of blackness, then people don't call you black and they make fun of you and they call you dumb and they just do all these things to you. Right. To be fair, that is a thing. And that forced compliance is especially strict with black women. Like, oh, my gosh, it's crazy with black women. Like you, you really can't veer off too far without being made fun of. And a lot of black women who are from the suburbs have the, the, the same experience. It's not just black women. Cause you do have your childish Gambinos out here who love to talk about being Oreo. And you know, they, it's obvious that they didn't fit in when they were little, right? They, Cause they talked about it. But Candace is like all, like a lot of other black women like myself who never fit into the status quo. We never fit into the mold. But the problem is we don't all choose Candace Owens' route. That says a lot about her psychology and we differ. Since we brought up black women and we talk about how there is this weird culturally insular situation, we got to talk about gender because gender is the real, real, real root of the problem here. It's not just culture, the black culture that really forces people to be a specific type of black person while projecting to the world that we're not a monolith. It's, it's much deeper than that. It's very deep. So let's do some intersectional thinking, ladies and gentlemen, and let's talk about it. So, okay, let's talk about gender. Candace is married to a conservative white British man. That man is old money, old money. And he's connected to the politi- political figures, right? So when we talk about a black woman who is in the black community doesn't feel like she belongs, doesn't feel included. There are some black women who adjust to that and they decide, well, screw the black community, screw, you know, trying to fit in. I'm going to go with the whites because the whites understand me. I'm going to get with them. I'm going to connect with them. I'm going to be in community with them because black people don't understand me and they make me uncomfortable. But that is a phase that most black women grow out of. Why? Because Although it's hurtful to us to be labeled as Oreos and being made fun of for talking that way, we still decide at some point that all black people are not like that. So when we become adults, we get into community with other black girls and other black women. So a lot of black women, when they go to college, they have a ton of black female friends, some of them for the first time, all these black female friends, they have things in common with. When I got to college, I I mean, granted, I had black female friends before college, but when I got to college, I met all these different nerdy black women who were quirky and awkward and weird, suburban black women who just didn't fit the mold for what black girls were supposed to be. I found my tribe. It wasn't hard because college was a big world, huge opportunity available for me. I went to college and saw there were so many types of black people. 
I didn't feel alone. My friends today are suburban bougie black chicks, right? We're friends with each other because we understand each other. We have the similar, we have similar, um, I would say like experiences as black women. And I'm going to get to that because I feel like Candace Owens has also experienced this because she's talked about it. But we're going to get into it, y'all. We're going to get into it. So, okay. I brought up Candace Owens' husband for a reason. Because when we talk about black women and like how they adapt and evolve with age, most black women who experience what Candace Owens has experienced, that feeling of not quite fitting in, not fitting in with black people, but not quite fitting in with white people, just kind of vary in between. Most black women don't do what she's done, Right. Most black women, some of them may marry non-black men. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Some of them adjust in other ways. They find their tribe. They just decide to be alternative. They end up, some of them end up like me, understanding they will never fit into either world. And they just accept that they are just going to be this unique person. I, for one, if I'm, I'm going to insert myself in here real quick. I admit that I am a black woman who never has ever fit in anywhere. I've always been my own person. I've marched to the beat of my own drum. I just got to be honest. I've never fit in. I will never fit in with black people. I will never fit in with white people. I have diverse groups of friends, but I know deep down in my heart, I don't fit in anywhere. I'm a loner. I belong to myself. I don't, you know what I'm saying? It took me years before I could find a real good friend group. Um, and now I have multiple friend groups in different places, but that it took me years. It took me being an adult, going to college to get that. And I feel like a lot of times I split parts of myself to become more digestible to the audience. So maybe sometimes I play up my blackness. Maybe sometimes, and, and you know, in those situations, I use African-American vernacular and I talk a certain way. Then some instances I play up the more respectable side of me to get along with people who are not black. And I have to act and behave a certain way dress a certain way, talk a certain way to seem non-threatening. You know, depending on the scenario, I adapt, right? And a lot of black women experience that. And that adaption also becomes infinitely more complex when we talk about as a black woman, part of that cultural compliance is forcing black women to only date black men. The amount of pressure that black women have to only date black men is massive. Despite knowing since we are very little girls, black boys don't want to be with the majority of us. And I believe Candace has probably had that experience. Candace is a thin black woman. Now she's attractive, but she's thin. And she has dated interracially since she was in high school. I did my research on her. I did. She's dated a lot of different types of men, all different races of men. Candace Owens has always been dating and exploring other races and has been open-minded in this way. Even since she was little. So I can, I, can, I can probably guess that some of the experiences with black men that she has had when she was younger were negative. Because a lot of young black girls who are skinny, like me, skinny, don't, you know, don't really fit into the mainstream idea of attractiveness because they're not fair-skinned with curly hair. I can imagine these girls probably internalize that and they think black men don't want me. I am not desired by black boys. And as they get older, it becomes more apparent because once you start dating, not, you know, non-black men, you start to see how black people treat you. They treat you like a traitor. They treat you like you don't like black people that you're trying to escape the black community just for dating outside your race. They really do treat it as if when you do this, that you're betraying and you're hurting someone because the cultural compliance is so strong. Now you got to keep in mind, Candace Owens is 30 plus. Times have changed. Today in 2021, it's not like that anymore. It's not that bad, but it used to be. 
If you grew up in the 90s, I'm sure you understand. There was a lot of pressure for black girls even then. Even then. That wasn't that long ago to still only date black boys. And so if you're like Candace Owens and you knobbly need, you got, you know, people making fun of your edges. You don't have an ass. Of course, you're going to feel pressured to get black boys to like you. And when they make fun of you, when they don't want you, you just go with the next best option, which is non-black boys. So I can see a situation where Candace ends up adapting to that and how the black community responds to her is terrible. You know, I remember Tamara Mowry um, coming out and talking about her experiences and Tamara is biracial. When she was talking about how people, you know, bully her online because of her husband, black people use it as a joke. They laugh at Tamara Mowry and say, you're, you know, you know, men calling her a bedwench and a white man's whore online is traumatic. But black people turn that interview where Tamara Mowry was talking about the way that she's been treated as a, you know, a, a black woman. We took that and we made it a meme. We made it a joke. What was really personal and hurtful for her dating a white man, it was turned into a joke. So I can imagine, right, the racial bullying and the harassment that Candace Owens has probably experienced before. She's not, there's not new stuff with her. I can imagine that probably factors into why she has some resentment for black men and resentment for black people because black people are ruthless when it comes to bullying black women that they don't like. They are. And I think that that's probably why she started social autopsy because she's used to being bullied. She's used to being harassed online. And I'm willing to bet wouldn't that flopped and she saw an opportunity to be conservative. She took it because something glimpsed for her. She realized she was never going to fit in the black community, but there was an opportunity for her to monetize her being considered an Oreo. Now, why is this important? When we talk about gender from an intersectional lens, Candace Owens reminds me of something very important. And this is where I'm going to say some shit that y'all hadn't thought about. Candace Owens is the best example of a divested woman I've seen so far. Now, if you're listening to this, you may not know what divestment actually means, right? Because you're like, divestment? What the hell is divestment? What, what, what is that? What, what are you talking about, Faith? Hear me out. So to divest means to deprive someone of power, rights, or possessions. It means to deprive something of a particular quality. Get rid of something that, no, that one no longer wants or requires, such as a business interest or investment. Now, that's what divest means, the general term. Divestment specifically, specifically has a context, right? Because when we're talking about black women, divestment takes on a different meaning. So like the best way I can describe the black women's empowerment movement, like for real, I, I'm trying my best to describe this because it's, it's, it's very difficult. But basically, the Black Women's Empowerment Movement is an online movement to help Black women potentially divest from the Black community. Now, when I say divest, what do I mean? I mean Black women deciding that their future is not solely in the Black community. When I talk about the black community being culturally insular, I mean, black people still to this day discuss and romanticize the option of being like set apart from other races and saying, okay, well, we need to racially separate or segregate because 
white supremacy is so damaging to us that literally we won't be able to function cohesively, holistically as a good community until we remove ourselves from the ties of white supremacy because white supremacy will continue to kill us unless we separate. So what this did was, it, it, this is granted, I'm condensing a lot of information in a very short period of time. But the reason why this is important is because the Black Women's Empowerment Movement understood that Black women were being forced to comply with culturally relevant standards of beauty, appearance, and, and lifestyle that did not actually help us progress in society as a whole. You know, Black women only wanted to marry with Black men, only wanted to be with Black men, only wanted to raise Black children and live in Black neighborhoods. And we believed fully in the idea of racial separation to, up, to basically contribute to Black liberation. We believed that if we just left the Black community and did our own thing, everything would be great. And not left the Black community. Only if we stay in the Black community and stop talking to white people, it'll be great. The problem is it doesn't work. Racial separation or segregation, it doesn't work. We're already segregated. It's not happening. It's, it's not like it's not, it's not helping black people. And so as a response to some of the violence in the black community and some of the dysfunction in the black community, the BWE movement was an online movement of black female bloggers and writers who saw an opportunity to say, hey, there is a lot of dysfunction in the black community. We are very culturally insular. Black women, it's time to expand your options, step outside the black community, be more globally minded and see what's out there. And so divestment is a way of saying we need to remove our political alliances and loyalty from the black community and expand our mindset for what's possible for black women outside of the black community. Now, if you're listening to this, I know you're probably like, okay, that seems really extra. Just stop being super pro-black all the time. That's all you really have to do. Why does this have to be a movement? Well, when the BWE movement took off in the early 2010s, it caused a lot of problems, largely because this online space was very new. Like I said, it was a bunch of black female bloggers. It was a little handful of them, right? They became influential, but they received a massive amount of backlash and attacks for this message. Because like I said, black women are very culturally insular. Very culturally insular. We reject black women who don't only date black men, reject black women who reject black beauty standards and ideals. So the idea of black women trying to be more globally minded and think outside of what was possible of with the black community was a really unheard concept at the time. A lot of black people didn't like that. They didn't want to hear it. Black women didn't want to listen to it. And so when I talk about the concept of divestment, I could do a whole episode on this alone, but I'm condensing it and making it short. I think Candace Owens, when we talk about divesting and removing your political alliances and allegiance from the black community to explore options outside of the community, Candace Owens is a great example of that. Candace Owens is the, is the ideal, right? Now, granted, people think divestment means date other races of men or divestment means... um move out of black neighborhoods. No, divestment, generally speaking, is about self-preservation, the self-preservation of black women specifically. So the BWE movement leaders would say, this is about our self-preservation. It's about black women surviving in this economy, surviving in America. And the key to black women's survival is self-preservation and thinking outside of the black community um, not always trying to be only friends with black people, only date black people, only live and be community with black people. It's time for us to expand our mindset. 
And so it's about survival, right? And so that's what BWE leaders would tell you. It's not about romanticism and desirability getting with a non-Black man. That could be a way of expanding your mindset, but that's only one type of way you can do that. There's a variety of ways that you can achieve this global mindset that removes you from the dysfunction of the Black community. And so I think this is all important when we talk about Candace Owens because the BWE movement leaders are what made it kind of fundamentally possible for Black women to have the discourse they have today about gender violence. I genuinely believe the discourse for Black women could only happen if Black women who were on the online space in the BWE movement popularized and made it normal to talk about gendered violence against Black women in the online space. Because feminists have already been talking about it, but it was academic, right? A lot of people didn't want to engage in that conversation. It would actually get you a lot of pushback. Because just talking about the violence against Black women and children was seen as anti-Black. So for, for the BWE movement leaders to make it popular, to make it normal for Black women to go into the online spaces on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and say, hey guys, let's talk about what's actually happening to us and write blog articles about it was revolutionary at the time, honestly. As a Black woman, I gotta be honest. I was a young person at the time. I didn't know about the movement, but in the early 20, 2000s, in the early 2010s, it was a big deal to read this stuff. It was a big deal. It was just something that black women weren't doing. And so I think that what ended up happening was when we talk about divestment, a lot of black women internalize that divestment to mean a lot of things, right? Because it's already a complicated subject and potentially dangerous to imply that black women's future and legacy and history and um, I guess like our future could be disconnected from black men entirely, right? It's already a problematic take. It's a hot take if there ever was one. But on top of that, black women had to imagine a world where we didn't exist with black men and existed with ourselves, by ourselves, in community with other black women, if at all. And so what we found was a lot of black women gravitated to certain things. So a lot of black women, if they called themselves divesters, they would gravitate towards marrying men of other races, living in other countries, living outside of black communities and not really being in community with a ton of black people. Every divested woman does not act and behave the same way. They may bear the moniker of being divested, but it looks different for every woman. So with Candace Owens in particular, Remember when I talked about how the culturally insular aspect of the Black community creates this, this bubble that Black people live in and it becomes like dysfunctional. The dysfunction of the Black community is perpetuated and then normalized and then perpetuated and then normalized. Candace Owens seeks to expose that dysfunction by going on national television with no context and talking about fatherlessness and, and I, you know, child poverty, not really child poverty, just homeless, um, fatherlessness and the out of wedlock rate for black women, you know, black women being single mothers. Um, these are common talking points for black women in the BWE movement. These are things that they would care about, right? Because black women who are part of the BWE movement do care about gendered violence. It's really important to them. But Candace Owens seeking to distance herself from the black community and the political allegiances and the political reality of black people decides that she wants to do her own thing, which means that she is free to make whatever political allegiances and alliances and strike deals with whoever she wants, even if that means doing it with white supremacists and nationalists. Like you heard her say earlier in this episode, being a nationalist is not a deal breaker for her. 
right? Okay. So why is this important? Ultimately, Candace Owens is divested, right? A lot of Black women praise divestment as a great solution for Black women. The key to getting out of quote-unquote Blackistan or the dysfunctional Black community bubble and experience what else life has to offer. But unfortunately, I think the reality is more that Candace Owens has chosen white supremacy and quite literally white nationalism to align herself with in order to benefit her financially. And I think this is super important, man. This is so important because when we talk about, for example, the police brutality cases with George Floyd and Micaiah Bryant, you see what her alliances actually are. Let me play you the clip. In a sane society, every single person in the world would say, thank God that officer was there to stop the crime from happening. But we don't live in a sane society because now the goal in this insane society is to make people believe that we have to fight to protect our criminals, that we have to fight to allow our criminals to live through every situation, no matter what they are doing, even if they are trying to kill someone, okay? So Jacob Blake, who admitted that he had a knife, admitted that he had a knife, is now a hero and has his name put on the back of the helmets of the New Orleans Saints because he was shot and paralyzed by police officers, despite the fact that a black woman was victimized by him, despite the, flat, the, the, the fact that a black woman had called the police on him because he was visiting her when he wasn't supposed to, despite the fact that a black woman had alleged that he had digitally raped her, okay? He was put on the back of an NFL helmet. Now you have Micaiah Bryant. Again, I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right. I really don't care how I'm saying her name. I'm going to be honest with you. Now you have Micaiah Bryant, a 16-year-old who almost kills someone, and LeBron James decides to post a picture of the heroic police officer and say, you're next on his Twitter. I took a second. I thought to myself, okay, you know, before I react to this, maybe he's making a mistake because he doesn't know all the details. Because as we know, the media lies and pretends the person is a good human being. Micaiah Bryant's mother came out, even though Micaiah was a foster child. And she said, oh, she was, you know, she was about peace, something along those lines, that, that, that her daughter was really a peacemaker at the end of the day. I have never seen a peacemaker try to stab someone to death with a knife. But okay, Micaiah Bryant's mom, we'll believe you on this one. So she goes on and on to say, Candace does, that basically Micaiah Bryant wasn't a victim at all. Um, the officer was a hero and he shot her to protect this other black girl, what have you. Candace's tweet about this was that, I quote, Micaiah Bryant was a knife wielding maniac, but the goal now is to convince black people to celebrate criminality. So I'm really excited to learn about how heroic, kind, and inspiring this knife-wielding maniac was. Now, I'm making the connection to the BWE movement because, like I said, they're very interested in gendered violence, but they are also really interested in talking about the criminality of Black people and the dysfunction in the Black community, and they are very adamant about the dysfunction very adamant of the violence and the drugs and the crime. And they're saying that we need to stop it. We need to, we need to hold people accountable. Well, that's what Candace Owens is doing. And she's made her alliances very clear. Notice how this, you know, weirdly though, weirdly though, Candace Owens doesn't really care that she's talking about a black female child, right? Makaya Bryan is 16. Candace doesn't care. 
right? She openly said she doesn't care. She called her a knife-wielding maniac. She has no interest in defending, protecting, or caring for the lives of Black people, dead or alive. That is not her job. She doesn't care. She's getting paid to be a commentator. She's getting paid to talk about Black criminality, her favorite topic. So she has no compassion for any Black person killed by the state, regardless of the circumstances. She doesn't care. In the situation about George Floyd, and I could play the clip for that, but I don't really care to look it up. But basically, she says that George Floyd was a criminal and that she agreed with Derek Chauvin. Um, she didn't agree that Derek Chauvin should have murdered him, but she did not agree with the fact that we gave Derek Chauvin the verdict of guilty on all three charges. She didn't agree with that. She thought that Derek Chauvin did his job. And unfortunately, yes, you know, George Floyd passed away, but George Floyd did not pass away because Derek Chauvin, you know, kneeled on his neck. She feels like Derek Chauvin didn't really kill George Floyd and that George Floyd would have died anyway, basically because of an overdose. So this is important to talk about because unfortunately, Candace basically doesn't really care even about other black women, right? Because maybe a BWE leader or BWE, you know, proponent would say, well, George Floyd hurt black women because that's what Candace would tell you. Candace has gone viral multiple times for talking about how George Floyd hurt other black people. So why should we care if he died? Why should we care if George Floyd was murdered by the state? He hurt other black people. He was a criminal. That is something very similar to what a BWE proponent would tell you. Why do we celebrate criminals and why do we care so much about protecting black dysfunction? That, to be honest, th these are the same types of white supremacist arguments that are often made. And there is a connection there. Sad to say, though, at least in BWE, they would have more compassion for black women because they're seeing they see black women as more victims of violence from the state and from black men simultaneously. Candace does not care, right? She is truly divested. She's not fake divested, only caring about black women, but forgetting about everybody else. No, she is truly divested from the black community, politically, economically, socially. She sees herself as separate and has a fully assimilated into a more white supremacist narrative of the United States and its origins and what have you. And it's a very gruesome sight to see because it just shows you that there are plenty of black women who agree with Candace Owens and would in any other situation say, yeah, you're right. She's absolutely right. Why shouldn't we care about George Floyd, right? Why should we care? He was a criminal. He hurt black women. You know, Jacob Blake, he was a criminal. He hurt black women. Lock him up. Not my problem if he dies. Um, and it is it's something interesting. I think that, you know, although black women are not, <clears throat> Candace Owens does not represent all black women. And I think the reason why is because there is a lack of empathy that Candace Owens has for all black people in general. Her, the most vitriolic statements you will ever find from Candace Owens are always targeted to black people, especially black women or black or women who were seen as black women like Candace Owens or like, uh, like Cardi B. You know what I'm saying? Like she maintains a lot of her vitriol only towards other black people, specifically the women. I think that Candace Owens does not represent all black people or all black women, but there are Candace Owenses out there who would agree with her on a lot of talking points, who understand what she means and her frustration about gendered violence. Despite the fact that Candace Owens doesn't seem to have really any empathy for the victims of gendered violence beyond weaponizing them in a conversation. You know, like I don't think I've ever seen Candace talk about gendered violence against black women in the black community. 
any other time as a separate conversation unless it's about police brutality. That's a problem. A, you know, a BWE proponent would most likely talk about gendered violence against black women and children, independent of anything else. Candace will never do that because she's not truly interested in that conversation. In fact, a lot of the times when she, in, when she talks to black people is typically black men. And she does an interview with black people is typically a black man. Can't remember the last time Candace Owens did an interview with a black woman besides Donna Swain, who is a Republican black woman. You know, she's the, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, she doesn't really talk to black women for the most part. She is the only black woman in the mix for a reason in any room that she's in. So let's talk, since I brought up Donna Swain, who is a Republican black woman, let's talk about politics because a lot of this is political, right? Unfortunately, the, 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 the experiences and the, the, the lives of black people are still very much politicized. And unfortunately for us, Candace's identity as a black woman is well politicized by the right. They are fully aware that Candace Owens is a black woman with a certain image who is attractive and appeals to them physically and appeals to them sonically. She says exactly all the things that they want to hear. She is a conservative powerhouse backed by big money donors. When you look at the trajectory of Candace, she goes from just somebody on YouTube to being interviewed by Joe Rogan, getting picked up by um, Turning Point USA, and then later on, Prager U. And then later on, she aligns herself with Ben Shapiro, a more established conservative, with his own, I guess, network situation on social media. And she joins The Daily Wire with her own talk show. Um, so clearly, Candace Owens is progressing in her own right. Um, she has her own book. She's, you know, a millionaire by all since is the word. And like I said before, she has aligned herself with old money from the UK. That is a power move that most conservative white women don't even pull off very well. That is something that shows she's very intelligent, but also backed by really old money. And I think it's important to talk about this because it's weird for people. It's going to be a very strange thing. I think when we we need to be prepared to use the intersectional lens to discuss Candace. And I hope that this podcast episode kind of gets y'all to thinking, really thinking, using your brain cells, rub them together, put them to work to really understand the next frontier, where we're headed. When you can't anticipate a black woman's political loyalties just because she's black and a woman. Unfortunately, all black women are not Democrats and they're not liberal. They're not progressive. They're not leftists. There are black women who are conservatives. There are black women who are Republicans. There are black women who are MAGA supporters. So we need to get used to that because otherwise you're going to be baffled and you're not going to have any um, ability to assess the state that we are in currently. Because Candace is being pushed to run for office, not just any office, political office, the highest office in the land, the office of the president. Now, like I said before, she didn't even have a degree, right? So a lot of this is, to me, political posturing by the right because she's their media darling, but it's not like they, they would see her as respectable, right? Not in the way that Tim Scott is. I mean, after all, Candace Owens didn't even get invited to the RNC in the, the convention a year ago. She didn't even get invited. Or see, she claims that she was invited to do a TV spot, but she never did it. Regardless, she didn't make an appearance. So it's very clear that despite the fact that she has incredible influence in the conservative movement, specifically among Trump supporters, still not treated as valid as some of the other ones. That's kind of important. So 
I think that she probably lacks the same amount of respectability. After all, she is combative. She is aggressive. Uh, she is just like, as I've said a million times before, Candace Owens is the social justice warrior she hates before the right. She is very clearly a social justice warrior before the political right. And it's about time we say it. The combativeness, the aggressiveness, the get down and dirty sort of uh, a persona that she adopts on television, that she willingly adopts, right? Absolutely a social justice warrior by anybody's stretch of the imagination. The only difference is she's for the political right. You know, she makes political activism her whole persona, right? Like she's an activist in her own right, as she calls herself. So when you consider the fact that Candace is like taking on such a, a role in the conservative movement, I have a hard time seeing them adopt that as someone they want to lead them in a public policy perspective. I don't. She could be a congresswoman. I mean, after all, if Marjorie Taylor Greene can be in public office, so can she. But unfortunately, president, I doubt it. Not when there's an eligible black man with a lot of respectability, a lot of clout among Republicans, keeps very quiet, toes the line. I think they would opt for him over her. In most cases, she may say all the right things, but that does not mean that she is not a wild card. She is. Um, But let's talk about, to me, if I like to sing a black conservative woman. I think that because of her politics, it's hard for me because I like seeing black women who are conservative because I used to be a conservative black woman. I know how hard it is to adopt a conservative mindset being a black woman. It's very strange. The black community is more conservative, conservative or right-leaning, but that doesn't mean that black people vote anything other than Democrat. So if you are a black woman who has a conservative mindset politically, not just in lifestyle, but political conservatism, you are probably going to find yourself on the outs, right? And so I think that it's nice to see that Black women are represented in multiple aspects. I think it could actually be a form of protection in a way, because I think it's a little dangerous for everyone to think that they understand and they can anticipate what Black women will do and say just because we're Black women. I think it's very dangerous that Black women have been politically made to be the face of social justice activism and radicalism on the left. I don't think it's fair to us at all, but we have become the face of that, which makes us a political target. So having a Black woman, having multiple Black women like Omarosa and unfortunately Diamond and Silk and Candace Owens, we start to see more and more Black women file in that direction. Now, I don't think it's inherently bad to be conservative. Because I will not erase the legacy of Black conservatism in America. We've always had Black conservatives. Always. The difference between then and now is that Candace Owens is a caricature of a Black conservative woman. There's a lot of Black conservative women who would never go as far as Candace Owens to say the things that she says. A lot lot do. A lot more are starting to file, you know, right along behind her. But not everyone does. Like I said, I've actually grown up conservative as a Black woman. And I... I remember when I was a child listening to um, Glenn Beck and uh, Bill Riley and Fox and Friends. It was normal for me when I was a kid to grow up watching Fox and Friends and CNN and MSNBC. I watched them all. That was my norm. So like my mom was always more politically right-leaning, always conservative. My father was too. They were basically Republicans, to be honest. 
And so they may not have voted Republican all the time, but they definitely were more on the conservative end. So it was normal for me. I, I'm used to seeing, and I do know, black female conservatives who have a conservative mindset. I will say that the Candace Owens is markedly different because of how far she goes. She takes on a white nationalist tone that I don't really think most black women really take. Honestly, I, I don't think, I, I, just, I have a hard time believing it because I've never seen it. I've never seen them go as far as she has gone. Um, and I think that that is dangerous because white nationalism is dangerous. And so the fact that people on the political right who are nationalists, and I believe nationalism is wrong. I believe it didn't work before and it won't work now. It is not in our best interest as Americans to engage in nationalist rhetoric. Um, I think that like to see a black woman align herself with white supremacy in this way is very scary. I think it's actually scary for her because I could, I feel like if Candace never stops towing the line, it's fine. If she has a mental psychotic break for two seconds and decides that she no longer believes what she is espousing, she's in deep trouble. Like I said, she's married to old UK money involved in politics in Great Britain. That is not by accident. She also has built a career being a more fringe MAGA supporter who's anti-science, very French, right? She is not like a Ben Shapiro. She doesn't have the same, I would say standing as a Ben Shapiro because Ben Shapiro is going to be Ben Shapiro regardless of who was in office. He has remained a standing uh, point in the conservative movement as himself and he doesn't tie himself to a specific political figure. Candace did. Candace used Trump to come up. And so if she were to say anything against Trump, if she were to do anything but show blind allegiance and support, if she were basically to switch it up in any way, if she were to veer off the script, she would lose massive amounts of fans. They would probably turn against her and weaponize that same hate that they have for other black people towards her. And that is scary because when you're engaging in white nationalist and white supremacist rhetoric, these people are, they're the original racists. They're fine calling themselves supremacists. They're fine calling themselves nationalists. That is a problem. These people are not meant to be trifled with. So you were on their good side only because you're saying all the right things. And so she could end up endangering herself and her child. I don't know if she understands that. I, genu I genuinely don't, but it's something to be concerned about. So I, I'm torn because I don't hate Candace. I don't like her. I don't like her politics. I think she's foolish. She's too smart to be this dumb sometimes. But I do wonder, girl, what are you going to do if you decide tomorrow that you don't agree with every single standpoint that you have because I believe it's possible I believe it's probable I believe Candace is probably a conservative but she does overdo it a lot of times she overdoes it she goes way too extreme she goes way too far and so I have to wonder is she going to lean too far right that she becomes fringe and talking and sounding like more like Alex Jones and Marjorie Taylor Greene and less like a Ben Shapiro who's going to stick around no matter what no matter what regime change we have that is concerning to me. And I think that is, it's, I don't, I care about her safety. I don't want to see a black woman hurt. So for me, I do question her. I, I question a lot of things. I, I really do. Um, I think that my honest opinion about Candace is that her downfall could be that she becomes too fringe because there's been several times where she has gone left when everybody else has gone right. Even conservatives will go left and she will go right. That's a problem because you can't be contrarian just for the sake of being contrarian. At some point, just the popular opinion is not wrong because it's popular. 
There's plenty of reasons why sometimes a popular opinion is the correct one. If it's right, if it's right, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Just because everyone is going one direction does not mean that it's wrong. And so I feel like she has created a contrarian message and a contrarian image that could make her very fringe and make her disposable to the movement. Because Trump won't be around forever. So for me, I'm just like, girl, you are putting yourself in grave danger here. She, she is running the risk of becoming too niche, too much of a niche in the conservative movement. And that's a problem because a black woman is already considered niche because of her political identity as a black woman. You don't need to make yourself super over the top in order to retain your audience. I don't think it's possible to, 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 to have longevity in that way. But that's just me. Because political alliances and are shifting, the political spectrum is shifting. There's a lot of realignment happening. Um, so there's that. But anyway, uh, one thing I wanted to say also about Candace, and this is more about the reaction and response, right? The last part I want to address is the response to Candace, because I think it says a lot about who we are and how prepared we are to handle this discourse. Um, so this is the last section, guys, before I wrap. Honestly, the part that concerns me is that Black people don't understand how we have created Candace Owens's. We don't get how that was possible. A lot of it is because of the dysfunction in the Black community that is real. Now, the BWE movement chicks are, you know, to be fair, they sometimes they go too far, right? They go too far. They hype up the criminality of Black people to, to push their white supremacist rhetoric, but they're still correct in that there is dysfunction in the Black community. There is toxicity that has to be addressed. And so I feel like the part of the toxicity of black people is that we are so oppressive and how we force black people to be one way when we know in our hearts, every black person is not the same. Every black person's journey is not the same. We police blackness and we shame and degrade black people all the time for stupid shit. And so Candace Owens partially, I believe could have mental health problems because of how many times she has been degraded and shamed as a black woman. It is just part of her experience. Now, she will never tell you that because, of course, she doesn't like to talk about racism and white supremacy because she doesn't believe that these things are real problems. But they are because that's how she became who she is today because of the white supremacy that suffocates black people and forces them to do things that they probably wouldn't want to do any other situation um, in any other situation. And I think that a lot of black people don't want to be honest about the fact that we have suppressed black women and demean them so much that some of them are doing some crazy shit just to be seen as human. Because they think that if they if they perform respectability for white people, that they will be they will be seen as human, which is why you see these offshoot movements of femininity and hypergamy and all these other things. The whole point is they feel like I hate the black community. I hate what the black community has done to me. I hate how they don't accept me for who I am. I hate that they, the gender violence against women and children is so bad. Like, I hate that so much. I need to escape this toxic ass community. I want out. And for some of them, their way out is abiding by white supremacy and like taking on this white supremacist mindset and adapting the best way they know how. Um, and I'm not mad at their what they're doing. I am mad about black people's response because when black men get to be like Childish Gambino and all these other black dudes who marry white women and get to talk about how they hate and despise themselves and despise black women, we somehow find compassion and empathy for them. But when we see a black woman like Candace Owens, we shame and degrade and humiliate across the community. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to gaslight black people about why they don't like her. 
because disliking Candace is valid. Candace Owens hates black people. She does. She just does. She doesn't like us. She don't like niggas. She doesn't. But the way we respond to people like Candace just fuels their platform. Because the more black women degrade and shame her for stupid stuff like their hair, like her hair should not be the topic of conversation. Her clothes and her body should not be the topic of conversation. Making fun of her for marrying a white man is not the topic of conversation. It's her politics. It's her belief system that we should be attacking because she knows nothing about what she's talking about. And I think that she's, I don't know if she's actually stupid or if she genuinely is doing this on purpose and doesn't fully understand the implications of what she's doing. Either way, I, I'm questioning, right? Just to be honest, I, I do question her intelligence because you have to be a really smart but really dumb person to pull off what she's pulling, understanding that there is no reverse. You don't get to pull a Uno reverse card. What, what she's doing is very dangerous, actually. So for herself, not for me, but for her. So, you know let that be what it is. But I think that black people's response just fuels her platform because all Candace Owens says is, well, those Negroes, they don't like me because I speak proper English and I'm not a criminal like them. All they do is support criminals and I'm just telling the truth like I see it. And so when we begin to hate and shame her for things that are not related to her political platform, we are proving her point in front of her audience that see, those Negroes, all they do is just talk about crime and violence and get pregnant too early and all these other terrible things. They hate the black people with potential in their community. You know what I'm saying? We're just fueling the fire of her platform. So, But I'm not suggesting that we embrace her with open arms. We have the right to criticize her and hold her accountable, despite knowing that she will not listen to us. But how we do it is important. We should not give in to misogynoir. The same massage war that created her, we should not be participating in it and engaging in it to further marginalize her. I don't think that's the answer here. Because what we're doing is we're creating Candace Owens' every day. The longer the Black community decides to ignore gender violence, the violence against Black women, the hate that we get online, how badly Black women have been treated, the more we choose to ignore it, the more we choose to ignore the fact that we have created a weird ass situation in the black community where we push black people to be a monolith and we police blackness. The more we ignore these problems, the more we ignore misogyny in the black community, the worse this shit's going to get, the more Candace Owens we're going to produce. Because like I said before, a lot of black women are really into divestment right now. They're really into this shit. So I'm assuming that a lot of them don't consider white supremacy or white nationalism as a deal breaker anymore. Unfortunately, a lot of them are actually fine with it. If it gets them what they want, if they want to escape the community, get a non-black man, live in a different place where there are no black people, where they feel quote unquote safer, then they will do that by any means necessary. They will do whatever, they'll be whatever they have to be to leave y'all. So they can truly divest and not be stuck in the black community's dysfunction. I think that is something to really talk about and really think about what these women are willing to do, what they're willing to say, and what they're willing to become to get the fuck away from black people. You know, I, I feel like the conversation has to be had. It needs to be had with care, but we need to hold people accountable and start taking some more responsibility. So, you know, black people, we did create Candace Owens. We did. Now, I'm not saying that Candace is not responsible for the route that, that she has taken because the, the, the route that she has taken is her own. Every black woman who feels unique or different or quirky or weird or doesn't feel like she 
belongs in the community, doesn't have a space in the community, every one of us does not take the same choice that she makes, but we're tempted to. A lot of us are tempted to go down that road. We just choose not to because we know what lies ahead. It's nothing good. Like I, as a black woman, I can't hate Candace because I understand Candace. I can articulate what I'm seeing with Candace because I understand Candace. I have the emotions of a Candace, but I would never make the choices that she made because I understand it doesn't work. I will never sit here and advocate for black men's deaths at the hands of the state. That is hatred. I will never sit here and never could. I will never sit here and not contextualize the death of Micaiah Bryant, a young black teenage girl who was murdered by police. I will not do that. I will hold police officers in the state accountable for how they treat black people because black bodies matter. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like there is a limit for a lot of black women and Candace Owens crossed that a long time ago. So I think pretty much this is all I really have to say on this issue. Like, of course, I could really go into a lot more depth, but I feel like I pretty much covered everything. So, you know, if you guys like this episode, if you want to hear more about this, if you want to, you know, chat about it, I am going to do a live conversation on Instagram and so have you. So definitely, definitely you know, share this episode, tell your friends, definitely, you know, review the podcast. If you enjoy the podcast and you enjoy the work that I do, definitely support me. It would mean the world if y'all would do that. It would mean the world, you know, follow me on Instagram at it's more than potential for a lot of Instagram lives and a lot of original content from me and poignant, real conversations like this. All right. Thank you for uh, listening to this episode and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.